0: Again to the wellside podcast uh, I'm Andre and I'm here with my buddy Sam and we are talking about following Jesus in a post-christian culture how are you doing man dude I'm doing great it's warm outside the sun is shining
1: and it's a wonderful start to the week it's it's we've got that
0: summer feel going especially yeah. with this watermelon water I've never tried this yeah shameless and... product plug here if you haven't had watermelon water try it yes it's like it's like a watermelon in a bottle. And if you're in the Whatcom County area, the Ferndale Grocery Outlet uh, doesn't have any more because I just bought them all. <laughs> <laughs> so Sam just Not bought them kidding. all out. I've, You know, I've always seen the watermelon water on the, in the fridges, you know, and I'm like, I don't know. That just sounds like like cucumber water. It makes me really <laughs> hesitant. You know, cucumber water tastes like... right soap or something? I don't know. It just tastes like something you'd put on your skin, not in your you mouth. You know, my friend Ryan and I were doing a road trip one
1: time through Utah, and anyway, we hadn't had good food in a while. We'd been hiking, <laughs> like, camping outside, and we went into a Trader Joe's in Utah, and we're at that point, we were just kind of desperate for something refreshing, Yeah, and we saw this box of, like, sparkling cucumber water and for some reason that just (laughs) stuck out so we bought the sparkling cucumber water like six cans of it and we we both drank one can and we're just like this is terrible (laughs) this
0: is disgusting i think we threw it away Um, basically at the next stop (laughs) well i've never tried cucumber water but i know what i can say now in bold confidence that watermelon water is amazing it's like it's like drinking a watermelon i mean just like as as you would imagine i guess Yeah, that's kind of the idea, I guess. So it is definitely feeling like summer up here in Whatcom County. Also, because we just got back from Vancouver, Washington, which evidently summer hits down there a little earlier than here, huh? (laughs) No kidding. Yeah, I should have brought shorts. I didn't bring any shorts. I didn't bring any shorts, and that was my great mistake. So we just got back from a conference, and we want to talk to you guys about that. Uh, But before we dive in... I wanted to share just a quick update. I know I mentioned in the past, we were doing foster care application stuff and I wanted to update you guys just briefly, you know, as a family. So we got licensed for foster care. Uh, This is one of the ways that we want to serve our community and serve God, serve his kingdom by opening our door to kids who are going through some tough stuff. it's our desire, and feel like God's been leading us in this direction, but also we understand we can't do everything, so we can't take every kind of kid, and uh, there's a specific range of kids that we think we're able to take at this point, and so uh, it's been cool. We've had a couple of kids in and out, uh, even for short uh, segments, and that's been a pretty awesome uh, experience for us, but we just wanted to ask you guys to keep praying about that. We're kind of in limbo right now, waiting for the next placement, and... It's kind of one of those moments where you're like, yes, God, I want to serve you. This is scary. But then you're like, you finally muster up the courage and you're like, let's do this. And then you're like, you're in. And then you're like, okay, now it's time to wait, I guess. You know, Mm. Uh, sometimes you muster up your courage. And then on the other side, you realize there's a new stage of faith Mm. called waiting and um, uh, letting him guide. So that's been kind of cool. Anyways. Anyways. That's what we're doing. Uh, But yes, we just spent the weekend in Vancouver slash Portland area. It sounds like you really enjoyed that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everyone there enjoyed it from what I heard talking to people, but it was uh, the reality conference and it was my first year there. Um,
0: How long have they been doing that,
1: Andre? Like 10 years or something now? Um,
0: Yeah, I think it's... Shoot, I don't remember how old I was when I went to the first one. It's got to be around 10 years. Uh, prob- probably more because I-, I didn't go to the first reality conference, I don't think. But I went back when I was like 18, 19. Hmm. So that's like 10 years. Yeah, that really dates you, doesn't it? It does. Man, that's crazy. I just realized this year, you know, I'm like <laughs> 18? 18 was 10 years ago. Man, that's starting to feel old. Mm-hmm. But it flies by fast. So yeah, it, these are really good friends of ours. I feel like Word of Grace Bible Church has a huge place in my life in the lives of a lot of people that I know, especially in the Russian church community, um, young people who are seeking uh, deeper experience of the gospel, deeper understanding of the Bible. Uh, Word of Grace Bible Church has been huge for us in these past 10 years. It's been like a source of maybe kind of a second wave uh, kind of reformation work kind of in our time. So Thank you guys. And also thank you specifically to well, it used to be Upstream Youth Ministry, but now I guess Andre Gorbin said or that they're not gonna keep on doing that name, they're gonna transition to a name. So I guess it's the nameless college <laughs> the ministry. Nameless
1: <laughs> youth Ministry from Vancouver.
0: Yes. Um what are your favorite things from the conference? Let's start with that. Some favorite highlights. That you liked oh, about yeah.
1: this trip. Well, first of all, the speaker was amazing. Um, yes. Just like a little background on him. We're not going to give his testimony. We'll, we can link to the videos yeah, if you, you haven't guys, seen it. We will just put everything post. up so you can look at their stuff on YouTube. Amazing yeah. sermons and messages. But uh, Dr. Matt Jones, isn't he working on his third PhD or something? Third graduate degree um, of some sort. Yeah, uh, just a fantastic speaker. So relatable. I mean, you, you sit there and you listen to every word. It just... Uh, you know he keeps you on the edge of your seat but at the same time you can tell there's just so much rich knowledge and theology in his mind. He really knows his material and and seeks to follow God in his walk and in his ministry. So just an amazing guy. I loved his emphasis on Christian worldview and understanding why we believe what we do, not just knowing what we believe, yeah. not just being told what to believe. Uh, and the fact that he understands the importance of youth understanding
0: their worldview. I feel like one of the biggest challenges of our generation is this uh, tug-of-war. It's like almost a dichotomy between intellectual depth and authentic spiritual life. So I feel like a lot of people are either really lots of head knowledge, lots of theology, and like really dry in their character and in their experience of following Christ and proclaiming the kingdom of God to this world, right? So you can have super smart people who are spiritually dry. And then it feels like our generation goes in the other direction where they're like, okay, well, I know that all this book smarts doesn't make me more spiritual and more mature and wise. So I just, I don't want all that book knowledge. I just want to experience Jesus. Right.
1: Therapeutic so, deism. Yeah. That what yeah. You call
0: it? So and and I think our generation seems like we have this skepticism against smart Christianity. Hmm. And I totally get that. I think there's been a lot... Like, in the media explosion, a lot of times Christian ministries will throw out heavy answers in a very intellectual, logical way. Right, in a way that doesn't seem caring. Right. And... My personal, like, ambition and drive has been, like, I want to, like, I love books. I love theology. I love to study the Word of God. But also, I feel like the reason that I love it is because, not just because I love books and letters, uh, I love it because I feel like life is deep and life is complicated. Yeah. And I want to live. I want to live deeply. I want to experience deeply. So the marriage between deep experiential Christianity and deep understanding and knowledge. It's a rare thing. Mm-hmm. And this guy, Matt Jones, like just his story, a pastor from LA, he's really smart, but man, his life is just an amazing thing. And it comes out in the sermon, you know?
1: Yeah, it really is. And he must be a busy guy, too. Like he's got seven kids and he pastors a church and he travels and he does these types of conferences and events. I can't imagine. Um, you know, the amount of self-discipline this guy has, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was also really encouraged by the hospitality of the folks at, uh, at the reality conference. Um, just shout out to you guys. Man, thank you guys so much for having us all, for loving us, for serving us. The food, the organization, the breaks, the, just the way everything worked together was just so great. Like, I was just telling my wife, usually when I go to conferences, it's a very exhausting weekend. Uh, You're just drained by the end. And this was one of the first conferences where I just, I was genuinely refreshed. Like I was, you know, because just the way it's all in the details, you know, like the snacks, the food, the coffee, the smoothies, like they provide everything for you so that you really feel like this church is loving you and Mm. serving you. Yeah, yeah the like whole time. true
1: Christian hospitality on display. Yeah, and and doing that for 560 people.
0: Yes, everything. and I talked to other guests uh, who were just saying the same exact thing on a private level, like people who were taking them in. A bunch you had like they had like 200, 270 um, out of town visitors, um, and everyone was taken into homes. We weren't all staying at hotels. It was all in. Homes And people just felt, I, I spoke with a lot of people who were like, man, I just felt so uh, just amazed by the hospitality and the way the people accepted us and mm-hmm. took care of us. Like, you're experiencing the truth as you're hearing it, you know? Yeah. So shout out to Joe Bolanov. Uh, your sofa
1: was amazing. I slept yeah. great.
0: Yeah. That long blue <laughs> IKEA sofa. Yeah. It's really, really comfortable. Yeah, we crashed with like eight guys in that house. and. He, uh. All on different sofas. Yeah, all in different, <laughs> different place, places. So, yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, anything else that you want to highlight about the conference? Favorites? Things that you really liked? You know, I think that's it. Let's, we can start talking about the actual messages. Let's breeze through the talks. There's so much cool stuff that we thought we would just jump through each of the talks and pick out some of our favorite stuff in there. Um, so the topic was genuine faith. And I think it's such, such an important topic for us today. What is genuine faith? What does it mean for me to be having real and experiential faith in Christ every day? And uh, I love the first one where he opened up with the fact that truth, truth is at the very heart of, of real faith. And um, real faith is in truth. So he was talking about what is truth. You know, truth is... If you guys were there, uh, we had to memorize the definition of truth. So truth is, and you should be reciting it right now, and if you didn't, look back at your notes, but truth is that which corresponds to reality. Basically, what is outside of your brain, what is real, that is what truth is, and that's against our current modern notion of truth, which is basically, truth is what corresponds to my internal feelings. Right. So if I feel that I'm a unicorn or if I feel that I could be a two horned unicorn, then I am. And that is truth. He's the example of a married
1: bachelor, you know, these things that just don't make any sense.
0: Yeah. So I think that just talking about this whole subject of real faith starts with truth. And this comes back to what we were just saying earlier about depth. Like you can't have real Christian faith if you don't know your Bible. Um, you know, he was, I love that. He's like, you know, people tell me, Oh, I love Jesus, but I just don't, I just don't like I don't to love read the books. Church. Yeah, or I don't, I don't love, like to read yeah. books. Uh, too bad. God's an author. God's an author. You can't be. A, you can't not be a reader. Real if You deserve a God is an author. Exactly. Real faith starts with knowing your Bible, reading it, understanding the the story of the Bible, understanding mm-hmm. the overarching themes of it. Um, yeah, but it's
1: really interesting too because he talked about how pop culture values authenticity. You know, um, what's true to you? Be true to yourself. Um, you know, be true to some values that. You know, society can condone, um, but also just be true to yourself and what you believe. And he talked about how that's just that's nonsensical. There has to be an objective standard above all of that. And you know, it's too in depth for us to go into all of the philosophy behind that. But he did a great job of distilling it down to the main parts and explaining. You know, this is why we can believe in objective truth
0: that's given to us in God's word. Right. And I think this also connects to challenges within the church where people get overly subjective about what it means to believe in jesus so they get this like they had they feel like there has to be this spiritual conviction feeling in their heart uh, for them to properly repent or something because their friend was was crying and uh went up and repented in front of the church and so therefore everybody else has to have that same kind of experience and that is real faith but what he was saying was you have truth, you have to understand what is the message of the gospel, and then there's trust. There's trust in that message. You put your trust in Christ. Like it's it's a fact, it's an action of the will. You do a do you believe Jesus is real? Do you believe he is alive today, having risen from the dead? Do you believe he died for your sins? He took your place on the cross? You believe that? Yeah. It's a yes or no question. Right, it's a belief system. It's not what you do, it's not how you feel, it's not what your
1: friend did or yeah. what your church thinks of you. It's if you truly believe the theology laid out in God's word, then you're a believer.
0: Right. Because yeah, you and then yeah and and how trust connects to that also is I think it's not just acknowledging the mentally, oh yeah, I believe that stuff is real because Satan does that too. But real faith is expressed in the reality of trust. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how we all trust in something, always. We, you All of us put our trust in something that gives you your self-worth. So what is it that gives you your self-identity, your self-stability, your self-confidence and your self-worth? That's the thing that you're trusting in. That's, that's the thing you're putting your faith in you know. So Jesus comes to wreck that. Jesus comes to say, I'm the only one worthy of your trust. All the other things are false idols. They're gifts, you know, your career, your talents, your looks, your family, your friends. They're all gifts, but they're not big enough to be your sources of trust, your 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 objects of trust cuz they will fail you. But Jesus is the only one you can fully trust with your entire life. So, that's real faith. True uh, trust transformation testify anything you want to throw in there I'm yeah. um, actually linking into the Q&A
1: session that he did afterward I know not everyone was able to stay for that but um, along those lines you know of genuine faith one of the questions that I thought was a great question was you know what if I don't feel like I'm on fire oh, yeah. for God Love or that. on fire because yes. that's something it's just this little bit of Christian ease you know that we throw around oh yeah you know Johnny he's really on fire for Jesus yep. I mean what is that supposed to mean Um, And he talked about how that's just, it's kind of a meaningless term because it's our outward perception of somebody. I mean, their heart could be absolutely broken and, you know, not be in the right place. And they look like they're on fire. But not everybody has the same personality. Not everybody expresses their faith in the same way. Um, But it goes back to those core questions. Do you believe and
0: have you repented? Yep. And are you putting your trust in Christ and the Gospel, every day. So I think you can have two people, and there's a there's a really cool meme I think about it. Um, there's a picture of John MacArthur and uh, C.J. Mahaney at a conference, and I think it's from Resolve Conference from back in the day. But so CJ's standing there, arms up in the air, just like <laughs> tears streaming down his face, right. like singing at the top of the line. And then you got and then you got John MacArthur, who's just like a statue, you know. Um both are worshiping Jesus 100% at that moment. They have different expressions of mm-hmm. their emotions. That does not validate the godliness of one of them. Right. So and I would push back on that and say you know you're on fire if like look at your heart. What what do you what do you love? Do you love the gospel? Do you love that story which saved your life and is progressively revealing salvation in the world around you? Do you love d- does that make you excited. Does that, does Mm -hmm. that drop the, do the truths of Christ and his plan of salvation, do they drop into your heart like stones, like weight that gives you reason to move and be motivated? Then you're on fire for Jesus. Exactly. You're going to be expressing that fire in different ways, but it's what your heart is gripping, you know? So, or whatever, whatever is gripping your heart. And I think that kind of links to the idea of testify. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot, of, I think he was t- in this first talk, You know, we're never going to get through five talks by this time, but in this, in that first talk, you know, a lot of young people struggle with genuine faith, I think because we're not, we're not testifying enough. Um, and, and, and again, it goes backwards. So what we do, what we, do you mean by testify? Explain. We are not proclaiming the gospel with our lives as we should. Okay. And, Again, here's the problem. We get guilted. We're like, oh, shoot, no, I need to tell more people Jesus. Oh, man, yeah, I'm so guilty. No, 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 wait, back up. It should flow from you in a natural, Mm. non-awkward way. So examine your life and examine the ways in which we, in our habits, we hide from people. We hide the gospel in those moments that we can speak something. And kind of start to question those areas and say, why am I not testifying? Is my mm. faith coming out? Genuine faith is meant to be proclaimed. That's a yeah. fact. That's a fact.
1: Or more like another thing, another, I guess, litmus test sort of is, what are areas of my life or places I go or people I spend time with where I kind of try to maybe dumb down my faith or not right. not seem as Christian as mm. I otherwise would be? Yeah. And ask yourself, you know, why am I doing that? Yeah. What is it? Am I afraid of what they're going to think of me? Um, am, is it an embarrassment thing? Do I not really believe this? Mm-hmm.
0: And just do some real heart seeking there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, his second talk was about relationships, uh, relational faithfulness. He had four points there. Family, friends, foes, foreigners. Uh, anything jump to your mind from that talk that was really essential that you thought?
1: Yeah. You know, that, that was a great talk. And... um One of the things he talked about is how what what does a proper social structure look like that honors God? And I thought it was really interesting because we look at the fact that there are cosmological constants or physical constants. You know, there's mathematical constants, you know, pi, Euler's number, whatever it may be, physics, equations that govern how the universe works. Yeah. And God divinely put those in place But he also put in place social constants, things like how the family is supposed to work. What is the relationship supposed to be between people, the church, the state, individuals? Yeah. And as believers, we also have the burden to understand and to try to create a society where those things are in harmony. And working correctly. Um, And that starts at a family level. What does your home look like? Are you worshiping Jesus at your home? Or do you spend your time talking about other
0: things or prioritizing other things? Right. I love how he emphasized also in that the priority of the family for young single people. Like, the problem is our um, career-driven, individualistic-driven society prizes career and education above family. And so we will relegate everything to the—basically family and babies— have the last priority hmm. after we've accomplished our financial goals, after we've accomplished our career goals, after we've done everything, then we could deal the messiness of diapers and yeah. all that jazz. But I think he, what he was he pressed down on that and said, no, 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 question that. You can go to college and be married. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Again, we're not saying that everybody should just go get married at 19. No. Right. But don't give in to this American dream mindset. It's nonsense. Because honestly, I was in college before I was married and I was in college after I was married. And I'm more productive. I am more efficient. And I make way more money and I make get way more things done after I got married. Um, I should get married, I guess. There you go. Yes. <laughs> basically I think prioritizing like it's not about it's not about getting pressured and be like oh I need to go get a girl I need to go get married right now like it's not about the pressure it's about again backing up and asking yourself what do you genuinely value
1: are my priorities ordered correctly if I were to list them on paper could I really say that I have these things in the correct order and that's the problem with sin is that it attacks those foundations, those social constants and gets them out of order Right, where we prioritize
0: the wrong things. It may be correct for you to finish your degree first, but it may be that God may send somebody your way halfway through your degree. Do you, do you all of a sudden push all that away and say, no, 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 I've got to get my career done first? Or are you open? Do you prize and value the family above other things? That's the question you want to ask yourself. Are you willing to put your degree on the line for marriage? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to um, to serve your church, your church family? Uh, that's another relationship in there uh, above serving your career interests, you know? Yeah. So personally, like when I was picking my career, um, one of the deal breakers for me was just honestly like, Moving away to another big city at this point in my life, I felt like God was calling me to be part of my church. And I was like, I don't think it's his will for me to leave town at this point. So I'm going to narrow my search down to whatever careers are available to me here. Um, Again, that's just kind of an example of prioritizing. Like, do you, what are the factors that prioritize your life? Do you prioritize marriage? Do you prioritize friendships, Christian friendships? And do you prioritize relationships to your church, your local Hmm. church? Or do you prioritize your personal life above all things, and then everything needs to come in line with my personal life?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And, you know, as Christians, I think one of the interesting things you talked about is the fact that we are called not not just to, you know, have a family and, you know, do God's work, but that starts at the friendship level. We're called to be friends, and we're called to have friends, and... You know, that is the first step
0: in testifying our faith to other people. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we talked about this a few weeks back, but I just think this whole topic of friendship, I i don't think enough people pause and ask, hmm, like, uh, what does it mean to cultivate good friendship? Yeah, Like, how can I be a better friend? Um, it's just one of those questions that doesn't come up in our culture today. You know, it's like it's always what can I
1: get out of this relationship? Right, right.
0: Are your friends good to you or not?
1: Yeah. Like, not, am I being a good friend? It's questions like, well, you know, do the people I have do they support me? Um, you know, do they release good vibes? Mm-hmm. Is it you know do they? Are, are they yes men, basically? Do is, they... This is a toxic relationship. Say what I need to I, get out. Yeah, that, that perfectly summarizes what you hear. It's like, is not is it a toxic relationship. Is it is it a good relationship? Is it a God-honoring relationship? Right. Am I being a good friend to this person? And are they being a good friend to me? Right. It doesn't mean that you're always comfortable or they always tell you what you want to hear. Um, there's a lot more to
0: it than that. Yeah, and this connects to a genuine faith because look at the heart of christianity the the, main, the the great commission is about relationships like deep powerful christianity comes down to relationships it comes down to you loving jesus you being in fellowship with the trinitarian god and then you being in fellowship with the people who are full of that trinitarian god
1: yeah you know? And, you know, this is a good spinoff to um, another question in the Q&A session was, how should the church view social justice? Oh, yeah. And I think that's a great question. I wish that he'd been able to do like an entire session on it because it's, yeah. it's so relevant. Um, but he said, you know, the first thing you have to do is define terms, right? What is social justice? And you have to be careful with that word because it's often used um, by different political agendas to kind yeah. of, you know, whatever is popular at the time. Um, But really, I I think a Christian understanding of social justice goes back to relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's right relationships between people. Right. That's social justice. And the church should definitely be prioritizing that. But we have to define what we're talking about. We can't just throw around the word social justice, uh, because that can mean a lot of different things that are very contradictory to
0: our Christian message. Yeah. You can't... Love God and not love your neighbor. Like, I mean, the the two commands are inseparable. But in our culture, we're really good at separating them, I think. We're really good at talking about loving God and me and Jesus and my spirituality Mm -hmm. and be completely detached when we talk about it and think (laughs) about it from the burden of real messy friendships, real relationships, loving our neighbor, um, serving Com, you know, underprivileged or, um, needing communities in your area. So it, when you get down to the loving your neighbor, when you get down to relationships and real people, things become very inefficient, expensive and time consuming. But that's the point that, I mean, that's mm-hmm. where Jesus, that's why Jesus said, go and baptize all nations, you know, make disciples Teaching them to observe all that I have taught you. So it's like a, a disciple. Um, oh, I love his definition of a disciple. A disciple was uh, one who intentionally and sacrificially organizes their life in such a way as to become like another. Right. So a disciple. Let me read that again. That's such a. That's probably one of the best definitions of discipleship. A disciple is one who intentionally. And sacrificially organizes their life in such a way so as to become like another. And as Christians, you are called to be disciples and disciplers. So as Christians, you know, as you grow in Christ, you're going to grow in your ability to form rich relationships, Mm -hmm. relationships through which you are passing on Jesus yeah. No, and along that point, uh, that's another one
1: of those Christianese words we kind of throw around. Oh, discipleship. But but it has a real meaning. And and that's just such a good definition of it. But during that session, he put up a um like a like a table that basically showed here's the difference between discipleship and just pure like evangel evangelism preaching. Right. And he said, you know, maybe you have 300 people oh, that yeah, att- attended an that. event, you know, a big evangelism event. And over a course of twenty years of doing that, your growth is basically linear. Yeah. You have three hundred people who come to Christ each time. Yeah, okay, that's great, um, which, which it is a good thing. But discipleship—you know—assuming that one person disciples two other people, right? Over time, the growth is enormous. It's exponential. It's not linear. Um, and over that twenty-year period or something, discipleship yields much better results
0: than just preaching to a crowd. Yeah. So the question is not even how many people did you evangelize last year? The question is how many people are in your life in a, in a way that is, um, forming a meaningful relationship. Yeah. Like if you died today, would their relationship with Christ be impacted? Hmm. Yeah.
1: That's a really convicting question.
0: Yeah. Would they feel like they've lost a spiritual guide or, Hmm. or a, a mentor? Um, so that's yeah. So plowing right along, his third talk was on church, regular fellowship. I loved this. too. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, so let's talk about what he talked about Sundays and sacrifice and solo. And I just love how he talked about Sundays. Um, you know, we you can't get right. all you can't get all um, legalistic about like oh you have to go to church like it's some magic charm for sure <laughs> not. But I think our generation. Sort of uses that argument in a totally twisted way where yeah. we get out of commitment by saying, Oh, Christianity is not about D de- it's not about deeds, it's not about earning my salvation. Yeah. Uh, nobody's talking about earning your salvation. Yeah. We're, as we're long as about, I love
1: Jesus, I don't really have to go to church. Right, right, right. Yeah. I watch the live stream or I listen yeah, to yeah. A, I listen
0: to the well-said podcast. I don't <laughs> have to go to church. This is not a replacement. <laughs> uh no, but I think talking about Sunday. Sunday is so important. Do you guys, like, let's think about why we go to church on Sunday. The The body of Christ gathers every week on the day Jesus rose from the grave. And we gather to rehearse the reality of the gospel. We gather not as spectators. You know, we're not going to church as um, we're going to some show. No, we're, we're gathering as participants. We're gathering as those who are here to be refreshed in the gospel, reset, uh, reconnected, uh, instructed and to rehearse our identity so that we can go back out into the world as soldiers of Christ uh, equipped with the guns that we need to proceed. Yeah. And another thing he mentioned that was just really convicting
1: is, uh, you know you hear, Oh, I love God. I love Jesus. I love my faith, but I just, I don't like the church. I, I can't stand church. Right. And, you know, I understand a lot of people have been hurt by the church, by yeah. churches that are You've not You've had some healthy. crazy history
0: with that, too. Yeah. I have had too.
1: And, uh, you know, it's important to recognize those things and to, to work to change them. But you also have to have that community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're told in the Bible that, that the church is the bride of Christ. And it'd be like you having a friend who just got married and being like, yeah, bro, <laughs> you know, we're still great friends. I love right. you. You know, we can hang out, but gosh, I can't stand your wife. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's terrible. Um, keep me away from her. Yeah. Like, that's not going to fly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you you can't love Christ and not love his church, and you can't love Christ and not love what he's doing in the world. But you got to understand, you know, I, and I, I guess I think this other – This is the other reason why the social justice conversations among young people, they go off the rails sometimes because we want to accomplish social justice in the world without the church. Hmm. We want to feed the hungry and, you know, feed the poor, feed the hungry, clothe the poor, like do all these things in the world and be God's love and and hug every sad person. (laughs) But but we don't actually understand Jesus's game plan. Jesus' game plan to transform the world, to impact the world with the gospel is through the life of the local church. And the life of the local church in many ways depends on Sunday. Sunday is when we come together and we rehearse our identity. Yeah. If you're not there, you're you're missing out on the main event, you know, and you're yeah. thinking that you can fight this war on your own. You're just you're just foolish. No,
1: it's really interesting. If you look back at American history and if you look at the health of communities, Um, in particular, small towns, so much of that social justice oriented behavior came from the church, from small community churches that reached out into their communities and helped people. And now as it's become more commoditized, as we're eating, um, you know, what he called spiritual fast food all the time, we're not eating at the table together in spiritual fellowship, Um, we've lost that. Yeah, And now you have a lot of those social services going to the government instead of to the local church, which can really help change people's lives for the better, as opposed to just, you know, say, giving them a handout. Right. And the reason it's different is because it's relational. And it's not like, oh, you know, believe in Jesus and you get food. That's that's manipulation. But it's building relationships with people and bringing them to a better place in life. And through that, sharing the gospel with
0: them. Right. Yeah. Jesus said, they will know that you are Christians by the love that you have for one another. Mm -hmm. They will know that you are my disciples. Think about it. By the love that you have for one another. So you out there feeding the poor by yourself is not actually accomplishing that. Yeah. There's no way that they could see your love for other saints unless the unbeliever is surrounded by saints who really love each other. And the unbeliever says, mm. wow, this is different. Right. It is the transformational love community of the church, which changes the world. Right. They have to look at your community and look at your friends and want that. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I, and I've seen this too, like the church becomes this like, oh, like I need to know my calling. Like what, how can I serve in a way? And it becomes individualistic again. People are like, feeling their way through church ministries, trying to pick and choose like it's a buffet, like, oh, what, what do I really, what's really my thing? I think there's a balance between searching for your gift, but also, like, if you understand that the gospel's reality and the kingdom of God is needed in this world and Jesus and his message needs to be proclaimed and the church needs to be built up, you're you're going to say, I love this church, let me help however I can. If it's by emptying trash, then that's what I'm going to do for now as I seek God's guidance in other ministries. Mm -hmm. But like you're going to be eager to do whatever because it's the church, because it's God's people, because it's ground zero for redemptive activity in the broken world. That's you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't show up in the middle of a battle zone and be like, uh, you know, I prefer the M16 machine gun with you know the extra magazine. I'm just going to sit <laughs> here and wait until one of those gets available. No, you get to work. You, you carry bullets. You have, yeah. You carry bandages. You you know you. So that's the reality of the church. You should feel that calling. You should feel that urge to the
1: church. That reminds me, growing up, it was like, um, you know. You're at an event or something at church, and some guy comes up and says, Oh, you have a servant's heart, young man. You know what that means? <laughs> that means you're about to move chairs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and if you do have a servant's heart, then you're going to love it. You're going you're
1: to love moving chairs or so. taking out the
0: trash or whatever it is. Yeah. So, um, Character, Righteous Fire. I love that title, too. His fourth talk was about love, life, love, lowliness, and the lost. Uh, And basically he's talking about, he was talking about just how real faith means a trans, an inner process of true transformation. Like God dwells in you, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And um, it means that true life is being produced, real spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's characterized by humility, loneliness characterized by true love for people. You know, it's interesting how he, he talked about, he emphasized
1: character in this. I love that. And yeah. how we have to bring back the idea of
0: our character. I just think that it was cool how in this talk he talked, basically you don't hear a lot about character these days because I think oftentimes we're talking more about like our feelings and our experiences. And when you talk about character, you're talking about an internal transformation of who you are, you know, like a permanent ongoing change and this is unique to the christian message we believe true permanent change is possible because god dwells in us and instead of trying to hold up appearances and what people how you feel and how people perceive you uh scripture excavates your heart scripture creates Mm -hmm. true humility true love for others Uh, the gospel of christ changes us on the inside yeah no, that was the
1: point about lowliness, you know. Um, the point of our ministry should not be wanting to be seen. Yeah, and, look um, at me. Look at what I'm yeah. doing. He talked about all the, like, the personality test and yeah. the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or whatever it is, and that there's no harm inherently in understanding more about yourself um, and how you interact with other people. But personality is no substitute for character, Yeah. is what he said in that, which is really a profound statement. And we focus so much on personality and what people think of us when we really should be focusing on building our character. Yeah. I remember, um, it was a book series I read when I was young. It's about a family who lived out on the plains of some, uh, Midwestern state and there were farmers. And, um, it was called, I think it was called little britches. It's a weird, weird name, but it was basically the story of this young man coming of age, growing up from a boy. And his grandpa would always tell him, son, You need to put some more boards on your character house. If you did something bad, it was um, you're you're tearing boards off your character house. Hmm. And, um, you know, think of yourself as having a character house. Are you building it or are you tearing boards off of it in the way you interact with other people?
0: Right. And, And I think it's pretty cool. Like when you look at your failures and your weaknesses, you should be excited because these are areas where Christ can grow. This takes time, though. Like, it, it just takes a long time, and that's what makes us humble. Mm-hmm. But it also, I think, should make us excited because, like, God is making me into something new. And when I look back five years, I can see I'm something different. And that real faith requires that. Real faith means that you believe that he is working a good work in you. And he, the by the power of his word, through the power of the Spirit, in your heart, there is work happening in you. And you're, you, that's real faith. Genuine faith means you, you're, you're leaning on that every day. Mm-hmm. Lord, change me. Lord, make me new today. Make me better. And you're in the long haul. You know? You're know, you not saying I'm going to be a new person in three steps in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: Try no. a 12-week program right, to right. true no spiritual steps. health.
0: Yeah. 12 disciples, and they took a lot more than 12 steps <laughs> to change their lives. So the fifth talk was really awesome, calling reformational force. Um, he talked about heralds, hoods, hours, and hope. Um, and I just, I just, I love that how he ended the conference on this. Um, yeah, there are no such thing as
1: secret service saints. That's, no secret. That's something and he I said, remember. he
0: said, until we start proclaiming uh, that the only hope is in Jesus, then your heralding will, will only be humming. So, are you hum. heralding or are you humming? You right. Know? Personally, for me, I've been challenged in this area, and I'm realizing that lots of times I'll like drop, in the past I would drop you know ideas like statements to my neighbors or, or, or co-workers like oh yeah I had an event at church or I, I really enjoy studying the Bible and teaching young people about the Bible and stuff like that and I caught myself and I'm like you know what that's not enough that's just it makes it sound like a hobby hmm and and, and it connects with this herald if I'm a herald and I got I got a few seconds to make my case I got one thing on my mind Jesus. And I need to learn to talk about Jesus. I think we need to learn to talk about Jesus, not just to talk about our churches or our youth camps. Uh, as maybe if they hear about my church, they'll ask me about Jesus. They probably won't, because they'll think it's a hobby. Like yeah. everybody, like for everybody else in our culture, church is a hobby or whatever. Right, or, or you know, our lost world doesn't really
1: care about your church, and all those people they have don't. been hurt by the church, and they
0: don't really need to hear necessarily about the church. They need to hear about Jesus. Yeah. Um so are we heralding or are we humming? Um and this goes back to the whole discipleship we just talked about earlier, you know, how he was just saying go to the hoods, you know, go, you know, and wh- what does that mean? You know, we don't have any go to hood- the hoods. We we don't we don't have any hoods in Ferndale. no we don't. I'm from the <laughs> south though. Him. I know I know what hoods are actually like. Yeah, no um, I, but I, the idea there is just um are you aware of your context? Like do, when you look when you sit in the coffee shop, look at the cars go by, look at the people coming, you know, do you, do you know your area? Do you know your place? And do you have a burden for it and a love for it? A gospel love, Mm -hmm. you know, like, do you know your city and do you know it from a a gospel heart? You know, like a longing for revival here. Yeah. And are you
1: willing to put in the effort and the hours to evangelize effectively
0: and invest in that community? Yeah. And are you not afraid to hope? To be like, what can God do here? Look among mm. us. You know, I think oftentimes our spiritual talks are all pie in the sky. Like, oh, you know, Jesus is saving the world. But what about your neighborhood? What about your, your, your county? What about your town, your, your downtown area, your coffee shops? Like, do yeah, you have a good. love? When you're there, do you have a love for the people and the place? And do you want to see this place redeemed? You know right um, so on that note, on that note, we're drawing our yes podcast to an end for today. Yes, but before we go, we want you to be the first one to hear the official note on the fact that uh, there is another college student conference. We just can't get enough of these conferences., yeah, so we decided so to organize pumped. one on our yeah. own. <laughs> uh, so actually, our friends from Word of Grace. College ministry are going to be coming up and visiting up us here in Bellingham. We're super excited. To, you know, we want to return the favor. We want to show them some love, but also we're gonna we're gonna have this uh, small a lot smaller because our church is smaller. Um, so True North twenty nineteen is going to be a college student conference yes. that's happening here at Living Word Bible Church in Bellingham, Washington. Put the date on your calendars. It's August 2 and 3. You guys are the first ones to hear about it. Our website will be open and registration will be open uh, in the next week or so. And it is going to be limited. Uh, availability because of our building. So we're going to have like 250 people max. So once it's sold out, it's sold out, but we have some fun stuff planned. Yeah. Um, some very
1: exciting stuff in the works that we will keep you updated about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lots of good music. Let's just say that yes. there's some, it's there's some really great good bands coming to town. Uh, people who love Christ, love theology and love beautiful music and art. So thank you guys so much for listening uh, it was so encouraging to meet a bunch of you guys at the conference to talk to be encouraged. That feedback goes a long way. Thank you, and don't hesitate to reach out and tell us how this has been impacting you. Feel free to contact us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter—all that stuff is on there. Um, this podcast is on Spotify. Some of you didn't know. Some people like that avenue better. It's really convenient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our most most of our interaction happens on Instagram, so it's the well said on Instagram. And uh, thank you guys so much. Leave us some feedback on iTunes if you got a moment. Share it with a friend, and we will talk to you in a couple of weeks.